Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 14. Um, This morning, I'll just be honest with you, this is one of those sermons. I wish I had like five sermons for this text. And so if that freaks you out, um, just know we have a backup plan. Uh, We will order some food in if I keep preaching through lunch. Um, But I've got a lot to say, so I'm going to jump right in. We've been continuing this series through the book of Acts, looking at how God's spirit unleashes through God's people, God's movement around the world. And we have been in this series uh, two Augusts ago, so we're coming up on a year and a half here, and God has moved in the book of Acts. Some of y'all might wish we would speed up a little bit, but there's so much in each one of these stories. Some of these stories, when we look at Paul's missionary journeys that we've jumped into specifically um, over the last really few weeks together since we began 2023 together, um, they're kind of like a a repeat story, but there's so many unique um, aspects to this missionary journey where Paul is preaching the gospel. People are getting saved and healed and uh, God is being worshiped. Um, Aren't you thankful that we as a church get to experience Jesus in our own unique ways. Like, yes, there's churches all over the world who are worshiping King Jesus, Um, but we have our own unique path. We have our own unique journey. I just can't get over the fact that God is the God of the universe. He knows everything. He has the whole world in his hands, right? He's that enormous, but he's also that intimate. He knows the very numbers of hairs upon your head. For Pastor Ben, that's not hard to figure out, right? Um, But uh, he knows you, and he knows our church, and he loves our church family, right? And, And so I'm just so thankful to continue to be reminded, yes, we're gonna read another story here, but there's no guarantee that this has gotta be our story. No, this is their story. And there's some principles that we can learn from it to encourage us. I've entitled our message, I preached two weeks ago, a sermon, Keep Preaching. This is going to be kind of Keep Preaching Part 2. Last week, didn't Pastor Ben give a great word as we unpacked the ministry rhythm? Can we thank God for Pastor Ben? Man, I'm so thankful for him and that faithful word that he preached last week. So let's jump right in. I'm going to dive into a little bit of Ben's text last week, and then we'll jump into ours. In Acts chapter 14, verse 5 through 7, it says this. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them, some of you are like, what am I walking into, right? I've showed up at church. Uh, People are getting stoned. I'm not sure if I want to be a part of this journey here. Well, uh, the apostle Paul, Barnabas have been preaching the gospel and As we know, some people accept Jesus and some people reject Jesus. And those who rejected Jesus started to get really angry with what the Apostle Paul and Barnabas were doing. And so it says in verse 6, because we're going to find something a little bit different in the text that we're going to read today. It says they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. But there's something important. 
They didn't flee, right? And say, well, we better, when we go to these other cities, not preach the gospel because clearly that didn't work out. The result of that was a stoning. What does it say that they kept doing as they left, now led by the Holy Spirit, because it's God's spirit working through God's people, unleashing God's moving around the world. Are Paul and Barnabas getting to choose what they're doing here? No, they are listening to Jesus doing what he says. And so here they're led by the spirit of God to other cities. We're gonna talk about Lystra today. Uh, Lystra is really important. Uh, This is most likely where Timothy gets saved. And, and so we'll kind of talk about some of the things. Uh, maybe you've heard of Paul writing letters to uh, Timothy, First and Second Timothy. Uh, this is the moment. This is the moment where Timothy meets Jesus. But it says in verse seven, maybe let's all read this out loud together. And there they continued to preach the gospel. One more time. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Can I submit this to you today? We have a message to keep preaching. We have a message to keep preaching. Uh, This past week, I was able to go down to the country of Texas, and uh, I went to Dallas and they, they really think they've got their own country down there. Um, but I went to Texas to thank one of our church partners, Preston Wood, has been um, really in me and my wife's corner for about 15 years as we served the Lord in New Orleans and now in Pittsburgh, and they've been extremely generous to us. They're sending a mission team of teenagers uh, here in March that are gonna serve our church, and so we can't wait. So we have a great partnership. Over the last 15 years, I've spoken to every group in that church. I mean, they have put me to work. Their pastor, their senior pastor, he's one of my uh, spiritual fathers out there. He treats me like an intern. I mean, I'm just telling you, I go fetch his coffee. I know where to go. And, you know, they've, they've had me clean out the baptismal before. I mean, you name it, I've done it. I'm an intern in that church, very large church. I think they have 25,000 people in their church or whatever else. And uh, I got up to preach in front of 3,000 students about the life of Daniel, about the life of Daniel. And and I'm telling you, I I shared a little bit of the story that I shared as we began this year. Remember how I shared about how Bolt and I are taking this journey of the primal path and uh, we're kind of walking through some some important things on what it means to be a man of God. And I confess to all these students that I'm preaching as I'm looking at the life of Daniel, um, that Daniel had resolve, right? When it was... Uh, either die, right, be thrown into a fiery pit or a den of lions or whatever else, or stand upon the promises of God, Daniel had resolved to stay faithful to the Lord. And, and for me, I'm just confessing to you. For me, I, I was brought up, I, I want you to know this, in two Sundays, my dad, Big Chief, is preaching. And so I can't wait to have my dad here. Uh, he's retired now, and so he's got so much more energy I'm just telling you, on that day, don't make plans for lunch. He will be preaching a long sermon. Okay, so Big Chief is coming. My dad, before he was a pastor, was a tank commander in the South African Army. Then he became a rugby and cricket coach. Can we just be honest? Y'all know I got whooped as a kid, okay? And so I was always disciplined. Rob, you gotta do it. You gotta go after it. You gotta do this. And I've kind of taken that approach to my own kids. 
Mac and Burke are right here on the front row. And when they started playing tackle football, um, let's just be honest, they're a little bit drama, okay? Like they just are. And if they got hit in one hard way, you know, they just laid on the ground. So much so that their mom thought that they had died, right? And so they're on the ground. They're just laying down. It's just drama. And, and daddy had to create a phrase that I would yell out. I'm loud nonstop anyways. But I would say, boys, pop up. Pop up! <laughs> right? I would just yell, pop up! Because I told them, I was like, number one, you're showing your enemy, the opposing team, that you're weak. We don't want to show them that you're weak, okay? Number two, your mama, okay? She's having a mini heart attack. Every time you lay there, like just lifeless, we think you're dead. Stop doing that, right? And sometimes they're laying there just because they missed a catch. Don't do that, right? You got to pop up, pop up. And so I'm just telling you how I'm wired. I'm like, you got to suck it up. Let's go. We got to fight forward. We got to do all this kind of stuff. But, you know, the Lord began to convict me, even as I preached this past weekend about Daniel and resolve. And, and I reminded myself, Bolt and I came across a, a, a slogan um, by John Paul Jones, the father of the Navy, who fought in the Revolutionary War when we were in Washington, D.C., and he declared, I have not yet begun to fight. May I submit this to us here, Vintage Church, my sweet church family that I love so much. Um, this pastor needs to repent if I've ever made you think that like, you gotta do this. Pop up. If you've heard from me, pop up. That's the wrong message. I need to repent of that. And I got daddy issues. You'll find out in two weeks why. <laughs> My nature is to tell you to pop up. I can get very like militant. And I can get very much like, let's hit the weight room. And, and I love that my boys have that gear. I'm trying to go to bed at like 11 something last night and Bolt's doing push-ups and curls in his room. I don't know what's wrong with this kid. So he's got that wiring too, but I, I want to confess to my boys who are here that the Christ life is not about what we do. It's about what Christ Jesus has done. We're gonna read a story here. It's a pop-up story where Paul and Barnabas are once again knocked down but the reason why they stand back up is the same reason why Daniel had resolve. Daniel wasn't the hero of the story when you read the book of Daniel. God is the hero. For God did for Daniel, as he stood up against King Nebuchadnezzar, what Daniel could not do. And guys, the story that we're going to read, just to go ahead and, and throw it out to you, I'm going to read it in its entirety and then give you a few points to process and think about. But this is a story where we don't say, man, Paul and Barnabas, they popped up, right? They did it. They had the strength. And so I got to go and flex my spiritual muscles. I got to hit the weight room. I need a motivational talk. I mean, on this Super Bowl Sunday, guys, I mean, this is the moment, right? This is Machoville, USA. Let's go for it. I want you to know that that's not what this text is all about. This text is the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit empowering one of his servants to take a beating for him and to pop up. 
So I don't, I don't know, maybe you're down a little bit right now. You're hurting. You've been knocked off your horse. You've had a bruise this week. You've been blindside hit. I, I don't know where you might be, but can I tell you? Um, John Paul Jones might have said, I have not yet begun to fight. Can I tell you who's in this room right now saying that same thing to you? Jesus. Jesus is saying to each and every one of you, no matter how hard it is for you right now, Jesus is looking at you and he's saying, I'm not asking for you to fight alone. I have not yet begun to fight for you, 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 for you. Can we thank Jesus for fighting for us? Thank you, King Jesus. All right, we got a scripture we got to look at. In Acts chapter 14, I want to read it through, okay? This is the hardest thing for me to ever discipline myself to just read and not explain, but I'm going to read because I want us to consider this whole context and then I want us to go back. Now, um, it says at least, right? This is the only time I'm going to stop. Remember, Paul's on this first missionary journey. He's been in Cyprus and um, he's been in the other Antioch and now he's at Lystra. It was a fortified Roman uh, post 18 miles south of Iconium, which is what we've been looked at. And Paul and Barnabas came to Lystra because they had been forced to flee from their last city, right? And so isn't it cool how the persecution of the saints always means the spread of the gospel? Let's read another spread of the gospel. It says, now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking. And Paul, looking intently at him, remember Acts chapter 3? This was a very similar type of story. Stop explaining things, Rob. Keep reading. And Paul, looking intently at him, seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. Keep reading, keep reading, Rob, come on. Verse 11. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in Lyconian, saying in their native tongue, which is not Paul's native tongue, okay? Paul's speaking Greek, right? This is in their native tongue. The gods have come down, small g gods, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas, they called Zeus, and Paul, Hermes, because he was the chief speaker and the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and they rushed out into the crowd, crying out, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you, and we 
bring you good news, the gospel. They've been preaching this gospel. That you should turn from these vain things, the things of this world, to a living, true God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. We're going to explain this, but Paul's so brilliant. He's been preaching up at this point in time to church people, right? So he's been preaching in synagogues. As he went into Iconium, he's in a synagogue first. And he's using church language. I don't know if y'all grew up in the church or not, but it is kind of funny when I start to engage people who've never been around church and I start talking churchy. We sound weird, church people. We just do. Paul here knows that this crowd are not church people. They're not religious, so he's speaking in their terms. If he was alive today on Super Bowl Sunday, he would probably start by talking about Super Bowl Sunday. That's what he would do. He would make sure that as we're today going to be worshiping, right, this kids game called football, right, and worshiping the people who score touchdowns playing it, I wonder if the Apostle Paul would want to stand up at any point on Super Bowl Sunday and start explaining where our worship should be. All right, I broke my rule there. We need to go back in. All right, so verse 18. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. <laughs> Some of y'all might feel discouraged. Hey, when I share Jesus with my neighbors, they're just not listening. I mean, it's like I'm speaking a foreign language. They're just not connecting. Anybody ever been a little disappointed or a little bit let down as you've tried to like communicate the truths of God's word and yet people just aren't listening? Has that ever happened to anybody? I've had quite a few Sundays where I walk away saying, I think I made everyone dumber today. The way I was looked at, I, I just don't think it helped anybody, right? Anybody feel discouraged? How many of y'all would agree the Apostle Paul, pretty brilliant, master teacher, kind of one of those guys, you know, if there was like an inner circle in heaven around Jesus, he'd be there, right? Pastor Rob would be, you know, way down the mountain somewhere, you know, hanging out, you know, in, in one of the places where nobody needs to be. That's where I would be. That would be my kingdom in heaven, Right? And so uh, Apostle Paul, he's up there. I mean, if, if he walked through those doors, I'm just going to confess to you, I'm sitting down. I'm letting him preach, okay? There's no way I'm going to keep preaching. And yet the Apostle Paul, after explaining a bunch of things, what happens? The people don't listen. The people don't listen. See, we plant, we water, who gives the growth? God. 
At the end of the day, God wants my faithfulness to preach here. He doesn't want my ability to convert you or to change your mind. That's the work of God on your heart. I'm just planting seeds. I'm hopefully through illustrations and creativity and all the work that our church does to offer hospitality and care to you and all the different things that we hope to accomplish with group ministry. That's the watering part. But at the end of the day, only God gives the growth. I'm so thankful that we have a full room. Look around, man. Praise God. We haven't always had full rooms. But at the end of the day, the Lord doesn't allow me to do this because of full rooms. That's his business. I just got to be faithful to do what he's told me to do. Paul here explains. He even gets creative with it. And what ends up happening? It says the people are barely restrained. And then it gets to a whole nother level. It says, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. That's where Paul and Barnabas have just been. And oh, by the way, when they were at Iconium, did they get to establish a mega church and have a green room and get to preach every Sunday to a people that just loved them? No, they had to run out of town because they were gonna be stoned. And what happens is this buildup of specifically the religious who are saying lies about Paul and Barnabas, who are angry with Paul and Barnabas, they're starting to build up a mob of people that are coming after them. And so if the people in Lystra who are unchurched, listen to me, some of us are church people. The way in which church people sometimes fight and handle conflict is so damaging to a world out there that doesn't know Jesus. Even if we're wrong, let's handle things well. Why would the world, who's the majority, right? Most people in this world don't know Jesus. Most people in this world don't love Jesus. And so on the outside, looking in sometimes to the church, they're looking and they're saying, look at those people. They can't get along. They can't even handle conflict. They can't have hard conversations. They're clearly not united. Why would I want to go and be a part of what they're doing? I guess I'll settle out here because we're all big mess, but at least we're united around our mess. The church people come in here and they start messing with the people in Lystra. I truly believe that the Apostle Paul, if perhaps he would have maybe had some more time in this moment, he might have actually convinced the people in Lystra to stop worshiping them as gods and instead turn to the one true living God. Now we find out later on that actually people did. But the church people came in and messed it up. Because they're mad that their little church bubbles are messed up. And so here in this text, it says, these Jews from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowd, they stoned Paul. They stoned Paul. And they dragged him out of the city. Guys, if there's the term stoned there, I'm just telling you, this is not like a pebble. Like, like this is full force Ben Roethlisberger type of quarterback throwing a stone and bringing someone to the point of almost death. Like 
the Apostle Paul here hadn't just stubbed the toe. Like he's almost dead. And they drag him in his almost death out of the city. Something so beautiful happens in verse 20. But when the disciples gathered about him, the power of community. What is this community united in? It's the worship style of the church that they go to. No, it's Jesus. And united together around the power of Jesus, they gathered about Paul. And it says he popped up. (laughs) Mac and Burke, pop up. He rose up. He rose up. And then he's just nuts. And he enters the city again. (laughs) Not me, I'm just telling you. I leave outside today. Someone stones me to the point of death. Peace, I'm moving to Tampa. I'm just not that tough. (laughs) I'm definitely not going back to where I just was stoned. And we know at some points, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, didn't they just leave because of the threat of stoning? They're not morons. Hey, so some of y'all are going to like carry the banner of Christ. You're like, you know, for me, for, to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's like, bring it. I want pain. Don't pray for that. You're nuts. You, you pray for protection. You pray for those things. Don't ever feel ashamed to ask for God to protect you. These boys, you know, mother and myself, we, we pray that over our kids all the time. Yesterday, we had a little throwdown in our house. No more phones, boys. Mom's like, but I don't know where they're at on Life 360 anymore. Can't just let them out of the house. For all we know, Bolt will be downtown, right? So we have this care and protection over our kids' lives. There's nothing wrong with asking the Lord for that. But at the core, why does the Apostle Paul get up and go back into the city? Because I believe he's spirit-led. And God doesn't always lead you away from the fire. He just does it. As you're praying about the will of God in your own life, God doesn't always give you the safer option. I'm I'm telling you, you're being taught something from man if as you're weighing job careers and as you're weighing an opportunity or you're, you're counting risk. And you're like, oh, well, I just don't know if that's going to be healthy for me. I don't know if that's going to have enough friends for me. I don't know if this is going to be safe enough for me. And so clearly that can't be of God. May I submit to you the book of Acts. For who actually led Paul in the first place into Lystra? God. Do you think God knew Paul was about to get stoned? Yeah. So blame God for Paul getting stoned because he has purpose in our persecution, doesn't he? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. They'll inherit the kingdom of heaven.
But I do love that on the next day, he went with Barnabas to Derby. <laughs> we're going to talk about even that. All right, I got a few points here, and then we're going to close out. First thing I want to highlight here, if we've got to keep preaching, I want to remind us in this text of a preacher's pursuit. A preacher's pursuit. Um, can I just share this as we look at, once again, verse 8 and verse 9 as they come into Lystra, that there are needs to keep seeking. You know, some people would say, as I went to Dallas last weekend, that everyone in Dallas knows Jesus. <laughs> this is not true, no matter how much they want to convince me of it. I'll never forget during one of the response times, me having the privilege of getting to, in this very large church with thousands of students, pray with this one young man, 14 years of age. And he couldn't stop crying because Jesus had just saved his life. In the masses of what would appear, everybody here saved. Look at the buildings they've got. Look at the full rooms. Here's a 14-year-old boy, broken and thankful because his need has just been met. Can I just assure you, no matter where we go and no matter how hard we preach, and even if one day, could y'all just believe it with me? I'd love to be this exhausted. I pray that we have to have eight Sunday services in this building because we can't keep everybody I want you to know that even if we have eight full services on a Sunday, there's still going to be people who are in need of Jesus. And here in this text, we find that in Lystra, this Roman colony, there's a hopeless cripple. This man's dire circumstances are described there. He's crippled in his feet. He's lame from birth. He never walked. Hopelessness. Everywhere we look in Pittsburgh, we can find hopelessness. Why do we have to keep preaching? It's because there are needs to keep seeking. There are people who need Jesus. Because there are needs to keep seeking, aren't you thankful that a preacher's pursuit is not just, hey, go out and do a kind of mission that is just never going to result to anything. No, we are on this pursuit because there are miracles to keep experiencing. Amen? There are miracles to keep experiencing. Some of you are like, I ain't never seen somebody go from never walking to dunking on dudes at the local hoop. Like, I've never seen that type of a miracle. I, I want to just make us aware of a miracle in this room. Raise your hand if you are a follower of King Jesus. Anybody here in the house? What a miracle. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I am thankful that Jesus can physically heal, but I'm more importantly thankful that Jesus spiritually heals. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In just a few moments, I want to invite you to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I don't have a whole lot of time to break down the importance of healing, but 
we are reminded of a very similar type of text in Acts chapter three. Remember where Peter's going up to the temple at the time of prayer and there's a man who's lame, who's never been able to walk as well. And, and Jesus, I mean, Peter says, hey, look at me. And the man says, give me some money. What does Peter say? Silver or gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And instantly, it says the man's healed. Now, notice in this text, this is all I'll say about healings and miracles. There's the proclamation of the gospel to be able to supply the healing. But there's also the faith of the recipient to receive the healing. Over and over, we see in the text that if people are hardened to the gospel, they're not one to believe in it, you're actually called to shake the dust off your feet and move on. We share, we water, God gives the growth. In true healing, there's the proclamation or the pursuit by the preacher, and then there's also, at some level, the pursuit of the person who's in need of healing, salvation, or whatever else. And here's what I believe, okay? Here's what I believe. I believe that, especially let's talk salvation, the miracle of salvation. God in his gospel comes to you and offers to you eternal life. And what he does, because Jesus is the door, he opens up that door to you. Faith, faith is walking through the door, but he will not force you to go through that door. Today, I encourage you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, repent, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. The preacher's pursuit. Number two, the preacher's persecution. The preacher's persecution in this text. Real quickly, there will be praise to be redirected. There'll be praise to be redirected. Basically, by way of context, the people of Lystra believed in the gods of Zeus and I don't know how you say it, Hermes or uh, Hermes or whatever else, okay? And so they believed in this for legends and even part of their literature and all that. Let me read some of the things. The people of Lystra had a legend that once Zeus and Hermes had come down to earth disguised as mortal men. They visited a thousand homes, but no one in all the land would give them hospitality. At last, two elderly peasants, Philemon and his wife Bacchus, took them into their tiny cottage and shared with them out of their poverty. As a result, the gods destroyed the whole population in a flood, except for Philemon and Bacchus, who were made the guardians of a splendid temple and were turned into two great trees when they died. So now you can imagine that the people of Lystra would be determined to not make the same mistake again. Here, Paul and Barnabas are used by God to do something supernatural. Old Johnny, who's never walked, is walking. And so they're like, oh, snap. We know, right, the old tale that when the city rejected the power of Zeus and Hermes, man, they were all obliterated. So we're gonna now worship and we're gonna sacrifice. And so we know in the text that as they bring their sacrifices, notice Paul and Barnabas don't recognize at first because they're speaking in their Lyconian language. 
But what triggers is not so much their talk, but their walk. As they go and move to offer sacrifices, now Paul and Barnabas know that they need to reject this worship. One commentary said this, listen to this, how powerful it is. We do not find that they tear their clothes when the people vilified them and spoke of stoning them. Paul never says, don't stone me. For him, to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Notice, they could bear this without disturbance. But when they defied them and spoke of worshiping them, they could not bear it, so they tore their clothes as being more concerned for God's honor rather than their own. My dad's had a worship pastor for years. He just uh, retired 30 years ago. And I'm telling you, the, the thing that this worship pastor does is so cheese, but it's so powerful. And at any service, if God's spirit moves, especially with the choir and the music or whatever else, his name's Steve, and I love him. He's like an uncle to me. The moment people start like praising the Lord, there's a standing ovation where it could appear that they're thanking the people. Steve does this on stage. And guys, as cheesy as that might be, like you should be walking through life and I don't care what you do or how great you are. Paul and Barnabas couldn't bear the thought of these people worshiping them. Guys, there's a movement. I'm just telling you, check out hegetsus.com right now. At the Super Bowl right now, your chaplain, who's a good friend of mine, Kent Chevalier, for the Steelers, he's in Arizona right now telling people about Jesus. Because as the world comes to worship man, there's a whole lot of people in the NFL doing this. What about you? What about me? They had to reject, and then as they reject, this is the brilliance, we've already talked about it, Paul starts to communicate that there is one true living big G God who created the heavens and the earth. And although you're scared that if you don't honor the little G gods, they're gonna obliterate you for not thanking them for provision, I want you to know, go look at it in the text. What does Paul say? Our God, this one true living God, is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And this creator of the heavens and the earth provides for you in way greater ways than anything in this world. That's his message. So, there's a preacher's persecution here. It'd be real easy for the Apostle Paul at this moment to start an Instagram page and tour the country signing people's Bibles. He's being worshiped. But he rejects their worship. There will be a pain to keep suffering, church, if we keep preaching. Because this life is not our own. This world is not our home. 
and different moments of struggle for Annabeth and I, I'm just telling you, we honestly, we look at each other right over there in that corner, our staff, we pulled out that round table and we had some prayer time and we started to talk and I told them, I was like, hey, our church has gone through some ups and downs, but I ain't being stoned to death. <laughs> and then even as a result of like persecution and struggle, what Bible did I read to expect anything else? Like, do I think I'm more privileged than Paul? To carry the message of the cross is to open yourself up to a life of resistance from the enemy. And because Paul refuses to embrace the applause of the world, I'm a Super Bowl champ, and yeah, I am awesome. Look at my ring. I'm just telling you, I've been with New Orleans Saints 13 years, they never won a Super Bowl. But if I got a Super Bowl ring, I would never preach without it. Just telling you me in the flesh. Like I'd kind of do this as I'd preach. Just, just walk around like this. Because it's in it hard to reject the praise of man. But they reject the praise of man and because of that, they are stoned. Which brings us to our final point as the band comes up, a preacher's perseverance. A preacher's perseverance. I love how after the suffering that Paul had to endure, God restores Paul. See, part of the preacher's perseverance is this. There's a family to keep caring. There's a family to keep caring. And I just know with all my heart that what's been true in my life, one of the reasons why I've been able to at certain moments get up is because I've had people help me up. And see guys, if we approach church with this, everybody look at me. Come on, stay locked in with me. If we approach church like this, I'm just going to hang out. I'm just going to like, you know, make a new friend, which is okay. I'm just going for the sermon. I, I, need, I need a good preacher. I'm, I'm going because of convenience. I'm going because it's the even right thing to do. I'm, I'm just telling you, you will abandon. But if we have this mentality, if we truly believe that when we keep preaching, there's going to be a preacher's persecution. And if we have Monday through Saturday really stepped out to be obedient, to tell others about Jesus, there's gotta be belief in our hearts that when we come in, all of us are a little wounded. We're a little discouraged. We're a little tired. We're a little bruised up. We're a little angry. I wonder what it would look like if we as a church came in and we started looking around. Hey, I wonder. Oh, how can I pray for you? How, how can I be there for you? And you just look heavy a little bit today. Like, 
Man, is there anything I can do for you? As I came in, what's your sweet daughter's name? Aubrey. Aubrey comes in. She's got these big old eyes. She's just looking so cute. And my daughter had left her donut right there. And so I can see, because I'm moving the donut so I can sit down. She sees I have a donut and she wants a donut. So I said, hey, would you like a donut? Aubrey goes, I'd like a donut. So I grabbed Aubrey's hand and I walked her back and I showed her our donuts. And to see her face, when she got to actually pick out the donut she wants, what happened to Paul here. Thank you, God, for little Aubrey. I'm coming to church not to eat a donut, but to help someone get a donut. Y'all with me? Paul is hurting. And the church comes along I'll talk about this maybe next week or we'll go back to it eventually, but do you know who I believe is kind of around at this point? Uh, Timothy, his mom, grandmother, Eunice, Lois. They're around. Come on, come on, buddy. There's a little bit of pop-up, Paul. But pop-up in the name of Jesus, Paul. He's got you. And I love this because this is it. There's a mission to keep going. The Apostle Paul goes back in the city. We don't find out how long it is, except to say that it's the next day that he leaves. And so you gotta believe Paul gets back on mission and he starts to roll. And I just love this. Do you know that the next day, in order for him to get to Derby, he walked 60 miles. I ain't gonna lie, I can barely keep up with my wife with a lap around the neighborhood. 60 miles after a beating. That's what God can do for you and me. When we surrender to him, what physically might be impossible for us, the the kind of wall that we keep hitting, God wants to power you to punch through that wall. So let's stand up, church. I'm gonna ask for the cars to come over here, lead communion. Do we have someone else? I I, I forgot to find out. We got somebody else. The Deliana bus. Deliana bus, if y'all can come lead communion over here. Come on, what we're doing here in this moment, guys, we're turning to Jesus and we're asking for Jesus to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So some of you in this moment, this is way more powerful than a donut, but Jesus is giving you strength. He's giving you encouragement. He's giving you life. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, come and break off a piece of bread which symbolizes the body of Christ. Dip it in the juice or the wine which symbolizes the blood of Christ. It's through Christ's body, through his blood that we have life. Amen? Amen. But if you don't know Jesus, repent of your sin. Put your faith and trust in him. Walk through that door of salvation. Embrace him as Lord and then taste and see that the Lord is good. So King Jesus, we love you. We worship you. And we pray through the power of the Holy Spirit 
that we as your church will keep preaching so that all in this world might know you as Lord and Savior. Lead us, Holy Spirit, as we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's step out. Let's sing and respond to Jesus.